um, Mother's Day is so special to me that I, want, I just want to throw this out there. This is a full Windsor knot. I didn't go halfway, not the half Windsor. I went full Windsor on the knot of this tie. So, Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Full Windsor, just for you. So, um, and Mother's Day, we're taking a quick break from the book of Revelation. For, so for all you moms who are like, oh, what happens next? You know, just chomping at the bit. We decided to focus on moms today, and it's probably a good call. So we want to talk to you about mothers uh, this morning. And man, there's almost a certain element of this is like, what expertise do I have to bring to any of this at all? You know, I, the mothers in my life have been so uh, fantastic that maybe they should be up here saying stuff, not me. But one of the things that I like to do on Mother's Day is find women, mothers in church history that have been so influential and so powerful that they've actually changed things about our world that we live in. They changed things about Christianity. Last year we talked about Susanna Wesley and the letters that she wrote to, to her kids and how she parented her kids in such a way that they became world changers and that she actually raised world changers. So today's a little different. Um, you know, like many of you, I pro- you probably heard the announcement, the U.S. Treasury, that Harriet Tubman made the $20 bill. How many of you heard that? Yeah, everybody heard that. Okay. So I was ashamed to say I remember from grade school learning about Harriet Tubman, but I, I knew she led people into freedom, but I, I honestly did not know much more than that. I knew she worked Underground Railroad, Harriet Tubman, that's all I knew. So I, I went and I Googled her because I was like, let me hear more about this lady. And um, holy cow, what a remarkable woman. Tubman was born into slavery. And when she was uh, like around, around 8 or 10 years old, that we don't really know the exact age, it, she went into town for her master to get some supplies. And a, another man in a separate incident was abusing his slave. And he was, he was upset because his slave didn't do what he wanted to do. So he threw a weight at him. Missing him, he hit her in the head, a two-pound weight. Caused her to have bleeding from the head for days. Suffered severe hallucinations. Her master made her go in the, work and, go in, in the field and work with blood dripping down her face. As a child, what a remarkable woman. And during that time, she got really close to God. And she had this dramatic, you know, she, she had said she'd always been a Christian, but she had this even more dramatic conversion experience that she felt like the Lord was her. And she knew that it was significant in her life, but she didn't really know what to do about it at the moment. So I found out a little more about this woman and thought, man, the biblical stuff coming through her life and what she did in the history of America, I need to share about this woman on Mother's Day. She's a woman that I would imagine all mothers would say, man, that I, I can't believe she did this. And you could have some of this legacy too. So I want to share a little bit about her and the Bible and how they all mix together this morning. I love this. Um, she recorded in her autobiography that she prayed for her master, the man who was abusing her, basically. She prayed for him so that he would let her go and stop. He was, after the incident of her head, he was trying to sell her. And she knew that she had, for as slaves go, she had a pretty good situation. And she wasn't abused too harshly, and she wasn't worked too hard, if you could imagine that, thinking that that was an okay situation. Well, eventually, she found out her master was trying to sell her. So this is what she said. When it appeared 
as though the sale was being concluded, I changed my prayer, she said. First of March, I began to pray, Oh, Lord, if you ain't never going to change that man's heart, kill him. Lord, and take him out of the way. A week later, her master died. And she recorded in her autobiography that she was always remorseful for that prayer. But it was the beginnings of building this strong woman. She married a um, freeman uh, down at the time, and that was legal at the time. She married a freeman. And, uh, you know, it came to the point where she was going to be sold, and she just didn't want to be a piece of human currency, which is sort of ironic that now she's on currency, right? But she was human currency. She just didn't want to be that anymore, and, and she knew that a better world was available, and so she escaped. She ran out, she, she crossed the river, and she got into the Underground Railroad, and she escaped. And once she got into Pennsylvania, she was recorded as saying, when I, when I fa- had finally crossed that line, I looked at my hands to see if I was the same person. There was such glory over everything. The sun came like gold through the trees and over the fields, and I felt like I was in heaven when she finally reached freedom. But the interesting thing is that that didn't last long. She turned right back around and went and got more people. She could have chose to stay in her freedom. She could have chose to go up to Canada, to go up to the north and live a quiet life apart from people and just be an ex-slave and try and get by. But she said, no, I can't let that stand. She had too strong of a sense of justice. In fact, Harriet Tubman would earn the nickname Moses because she led so many people out of slavery. That's why we're calling this sermon Mother Moses. Because she was essentially the female Moses. Harriet Tubman would earn that nickname and it would last, stick with her her entire life. She personally took 19 trips to the South. Armed trips, by the way. She, was, she carried a revolver with her. Um, 19 trips to the South. She led 300 slaves personally to freedom. She gave 60 more people routes and directions for freedom. And she even made a special trip back to rescue her parents when they were 70 years old. When the Civil War broke out, she became a spy for the Union Army and a cook at the same time. She was doing more than the men. She was leading routes. She was a spy. And she cooked for them in the Union Army. And she went behind lines and, and set up things and, and got the troops in. And she was instrumental in winning many battles. Many people don't know this, but one of the reasons why she's on the $20 bill is because finally, after thir- when she was an older woman, after 30 years of petition to give her an army pension, they finally recognized her and gave her $20 a month for a union pension. They didn't give her any back pay, but she deserved it. So I want to share some lessons from her life this morning and lessons from Scripture that I think are so important in parenting and so important in motherhood and so important just for today. So if you have a Bible, flip with me to Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Uh, And if they'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible. And uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, as many of you know, Moses is, uh, he spent 40 years with uh, with Pharaoh as a child and then another 40 years in Midian, and he is now tending his father-in-law's sheep, his flocks. And this is what happens in verses 7 through 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good, spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and Jezebites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Here's what God did for Moses. He gave him a vision of freedom. He gave him a vision of what could be. That's your first fill-in, by the way. Give your kids a vision of freedom. Just as Harriet Tubman went to the South and said, life can be different, life can be better. I once was one of you. I once was here, but now there's a land that's free. There's a place that's free. Come with me and I will show you. This is Moses went back to his people and said, hey, listen, I've been on both sides. I've been in Pharaoh and his court. I've been with, with you out here. I, I know it. There's a better life available. Come with me. Give them a vision of freedom. Tubman said this, Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. Harriet Tubman Tubman understood vision. She got it. That you have to paint picture for people sometimes. That you can't just say, oh, come on over with me. You have to show them what freedom really looks like. And parents, sometimes you have to do that for your kids. You have to show them what it looks like. Freedom is breaking down the invisible walls that we put up around ourselves. The invisible walls that our kids put up many, many times around themselves. So many times kids put themselves in a box. When I, I loved I always reference back to my time running the skate park here. And whenever I'm at skate parks, I still go skateboarding and all that. And I know I'm, I'm the old guy there. But I, they, they tell me, how did you become a pastor? I say, oh, skateboarding. Because our church used to have a skate park. And, and I, I tell them the story. But I love old stories of the skate park. These kids, you know, it was, it was right around the time, it was right before skinny jeans were a thing. Do you guys remember? Are skinny jeans still a thing? Are they? I was going to get a pair, so just tell me. Are they... <laughs> Okay, so they're not a thing anymore. It was right before skinny jeans were a thing. All the skater kids were raiding their sister's drawers and putting on their sister's pants because they wanted the tightest jeans that they could find. It was a thing. And I just love them saying, oh, we just want to be ourselves. We just want to be, yeah, we, just, we don't want to be like anybody else. And I'm like, you all look the same. You're just putting yourselves in this box. You're raiding your, I mean, you're being like, Come on, you're raiding your sister's drawers. But kids, so many times, are like, you know, and Pastor Earl says this a lot. You have to, as a parent, you have to lend your child your frontal lobe because kids don't have that yet, and it's not fully developed until late teens, early 20s. Sorry if you're under that age. If you just learned that, it must be devastating for you. It's okay. You're still smart. You're still wise. You're still doing great. But sometimes, the whole logic thing gets thrown out of whack, right? And we fall into this conformity with our friends at school. And, and many of you could probably remember back in that age, you're so scared about what other people might think of you that we get into this, this little box of shame that's not freedom at all. 
And so sometimes we have to give our kids this vision of freedom where the walls of conformity come down, the walls of anger and hate come down, the walls of selfishness come down. Sometimes we just need to give them a vision of that. So just as Moses was given this vision by, by God for freedom, this, this message that there's going to be freedom for my people. Just as Harriet Tubman went to the South and, and convinced these people to do a, de- a life-defying act by running away, you have to give your kids this vision of freedom of what is possible in Christ. Mothers, you are in the unique position of having influence. And many mothers I've talked to, they're like, oh, I'm not leaders. Well, guess what? Influence is leadership. Some of you might need to write that down. Influence is leadership. And mothers, you have some of the most influence that you could ever imagine. Because you're mom. You have tons and tons of influence. So mothers, you are in the unique position of when your child is trapped in slavery whether it's slavery to sin, whether it's slavery to conformity, whether it's slavery to anger, whether it's slavery to whatever, you're in the unique position of bringing them out of that and giving them a vision for something else. But mothers, we can't just give vision for freedom, right? We have to live in freedom ourselves. That's the next feeling. We have to live in freedom. Galatians 5.1 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So many times when we're forgiven by Jesus, so many, I mean, and you see this a lot in, in, in youth ministry, and so many times, like summer camp, it gets emotional, and, and the same kids who, who'd committed to Christ last year come back, you know? I know that was me a couple times in, in, in youth group. It's, oh, yes, Jesus, you're king, you're God. The next year, oh, I re-accept you, Jesus. You know what I mean? So many times it, we, we feel that way, but it really, what Galatians 5.1 is saying is that Jesus set you free. He, his blood was shed so that you could be free from guilt, so that you could be free from sin, so that you could be free from this old crumbling system, this old crumbling world that's built on empire. I, I am going to pepper in revelation language. I can't help it. I'm sorry. That Jesus has set you free so that you could live your life centered around the Lamb. Just as Moses was no longer bound by Pharaoh, Tubman was no longer bound by her slaveholders. She was no longer bound by the old junk of her past, by what they told her she was and what she was worth. She knew that that was a lie and that she was worth much, much more. And we have to live in freedom to show our kids an example of what that looks like. Um, I love this story. It's sort of, she's a funny lady. When you read through her her, her story. It, there's just so much funny stuff. Um, she went back one trip to specifically get her husband because she had to leave her husband. If she didn't leave her husband on this trip, they would have known and, and they would have gone after his family. And so she didn't want him to be thrust back into slavery. So she said, I'll come back for you. I'll come get you. So she left him for a couple years, led some people out, and came back specifically to get her husband. When she had returned, she found he had taken another wife. I know. It's like old Maury Povich. I mean, he came out and he's like, and we determined that's a lie. You know, they, she, she had taken another wife. And so instead of, of leaving, she literally did this. She said, enough with you, forget you. And she went and led more people to freedom. 
She said, I'm not going to let this, this stuff lead, put me back in bondage. I'm not going to let the emotional bondage. I'm not, I mean, she could have sat there and wept, and she could have felt sorry for herself, but she was on mission for freedom. The guy was apparently an adulterer. And, he, and she simply said, I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not going to stick around for that. I'm going to lead more people to freedom. I'm going to be on mission with Jesus. And I, I kind of love that spirit about her, that tenacity, that their mission was always in front of her. And as parents, so many times we can get off of our mission, of our kids, and we can get off of our mission. And the mission isn't really our kids. You know what I mean? The mission isn't really raising them to be adults. I mean, that's, that's a whole part of the, the larger mission. The mission is following Jesus into this world and teaching your kids to be the type of people that will follow Jesus as they grow up. What you're doing is you're not educating a five-year-old. You're not leading a five-year-old. You're, you're leading the 25-year-old that they're going to become. You're leading the 35-year-old and the 40-year-old in the decisions that they will make in the future. You're doing all that right now as they're young. And so what I would say to you today is that we have to live in freedom and model that for our kids. And moms, you're in a unique position to do this. I remember when I was in fourth or fifth grade, I'm going to tell a story, and it hopefully won't embarrass my mom too much. Um, I never ask them for permission to tell stories, and they always show up. I don't know what the deal is. I, <laughs> so thanks for keep coming back. No, one time I, I was so bound by this idea of needing to to fit in and look cool like every fifth grader was. And I went up to this Glendora summer camp that they had up in the, in the mountains of Dalton Canyon. And um, I remember that this one kid was teasing all of us because he had seen stuff that we hadn't seen. I saw a rattlesnake. I saw this. I, and one time he's like, I saw a snake from a tree. And I just remember like, I was cr- literally, this is so dumb. I was crying. Like, I'm going to look bad in this story, okay? I'm crying to my mom one of these summer camps. Do you remember this? That like, I, why has he seen all this and I haven't seen all of this? And, and she's like, oh, come on, he's a liar. And I was like, oh, like I never even <laughs> thought that he might be lying to me. And it, and it freed me up. And then she said this. And I, I'm not going to say exactly what she said. Don't worry, mom. <laughs> she goes, you tell him that if he actually saw that, he'd crap his pants. And <laughs> That just freed, I mean, like, honestly, maybe you shouldn't tell your fourth or fifth grade of that, but that, that for, for whatever reason, it made me laugh hysterically. And it, but what it did for me was say, oh, it doesn't matter what this kid thinks of me. It just doesn't matter. I was totally set free from what this other kid thought of me. And even, like, the next couple days at camp where he would say stuff, oh, I saw this, I'm like, whatever, I don't care. You know, it, it just, it set me free from that needing to feel cool or needing to do that. So, it's, it's about setting your kids free in little chunks of time. It's not necessarily all at once. It's little chunks of time. I think she was just trying to make her son laugh. He was feeling really sad, and, and, and she did a really good job at that. And, Mom, you, it, was, it was great. It honestly was. So don't. Mm-hmm. So anyways, how do you recover from that story? Did I say lead your kids to freedom? That's the next point. Lead your kids to freedom. Give your kids a vision of freedom, live in freedom, lead your kids to freedom. 
Well, here's what I love about this Exodus passage. So God shows up, gives Moses this huge vision, tells him what he's going to do. And, and you notice the, the personal pronouns that, that is used in this passage of Exodus. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. And then Exodus 3.10 comes around, and what does it say? So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. If I was Moses, I'd be like, wait a second. Didn't you just say, I would do this? And now you're saying, you're, now you're sending me? Like, that's kind of a raw deal, God. Don't, shouldn't you just do it all? I'll stand back here and watch. But now you're sending me to lead? What? I mean, I think that's kind of a raw deal. But Moses accepts it, obviously, because God has heard the cry of his people, and he's setting them free. So how will you accomplish your vision? I'm sending you. So parents... No, there's no one else going to parent your kids. I mean, there's going to be other people that want to influence them, but no one's going to have the influence that you want them to have. There's not going to be anybody else. So God is sending you to your kids to show them what freedom looks like. No one else is going to model freedom. No one else is going to show your children uh, what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. No one else is going to model a godly marriage. No one else is going to have the effect that you will have on your children. And the greatest gift that you can give them is freedom, eventually leading them to the decision that Jesus gives them all freedom. But sometimes kids are stubborn, right? You ever go on a road trip with kids? Oh, man. I mean, like, I, the, these, these passages of, of Moses going through the desert and hearing the grumbling and, of the Israelites and the complaining of the Israelites is, is, is like, I feel the same way just on a little five-hour drive up to Hume Lake with my kids in the back. You know, are we there yet? I've got to pee. I'm hungry. Like, we just ate lunch. Eat more if you're hungry. You know? There's just a complaining. You're like, ah. Sometimes kids don't want to go to freedom. My next fill in the blank is drag your kids to freedom. (laughs) I've got a great Harriet Tubman story about this, and we're going to find look at this in in the Bible. On the road to freedom... There will always be that person that doesn't want to go because they're bound to the junk of the past. Because they know that safety, food, comfort, life, is they, they know that they can live there. They just can't get the vision of what the new life looks like. Remember I told you Harriet Tubman would bring a pistol on her trips. The reason why she would bring that pistol is not to protect herself from people, well, from wild animals, one, but two, not to protect yourself from people who were willing to hurt, do them harm, but to threaten the people that she was leading to freedom. And I'm not joking about this. There were people that would want to turn back, and the Underground Railroad was leading thousands and thousands of people to freedom. Only one time did she ever have to pull her pistol and put it to the head of a young man. And she said, I will pull the trigger if you decide to go back. It is, you are going to be killing the Underground Railroad, and killing people if you go back. Well, that young man straightened right up and went along with her and went into freedom. But she was asked later on in her life, would you have actually pulled the trigger? And she said, oh, you bet I would have. And she said, because people would have died as a result of his decision. I was blown away that sometimes you just need to drag your kids there. They don't want to, they'll go kicking and screaming, but you see the vision, they don't. You see the vision, they don't. Parents, 
did I just say stick a gun to your child's head? The answer is no, I did not say that. No emails, no Facebook messages, I don't want to get a text later, my husband took a gun out. No, I mean, don't do that, okay? Flip with me to Exodus 14, verses uh, 10 through 12. And and I love the Exodus story, and I, I could probably spend... Just like the book of Revelation, I could probably spend a year, not that we're going to be in Revelation for a year, but um, I could probably spend a year just just traveling through this story. But Exodus uh, 14, verses 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, all right, this is after Pharaoh had let them go. They are now about to cross the Red Sea, and Pharaoh has a change of heart, and he decides to pursue them. Because at first he said, okay, let them go. And they were gone for a minute, and then he was like, uh-uh, I'm going to get them again. Um, so chapter 14, verse 10, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Does this ever sound like your kids in the back seat? Didn't we say, mom and dad, it would have been better to stay at home than to go on vacation? Didn't we say that we should have stopped at that McDonald's? Didn't we say, I mean, that's like my kids in the back seat, you know, every time we go on on a trip somewhere. I mean, you prepare the road to freedom. You have the vision for freedom. You're living in freedom. You're living over there, but, but your kids are over here, and you just want to bring them along. Sometimes they just need to be dragged there because kids don't want to go there. But sometimes it's easier to drag them along than other times because when you live a life where faith is required, that's kind of contagious, so as parents, when you're leading a life where, where faith is required, when you have vision that, that faith is required to, to fill this up, faith is only, only if God shows up can we do this, then your kids are going to begin to live in that freedom with you. So the next fill-in is faith is required for freedom to be realized. Because look what happens next, verses um, whoops, 13 through 18. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance from the Lord that the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. By the way, Revelation 19, just mental note, okay? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. Divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians that they will go after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The, is- the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. See, Moses had been living in the freedom. He had understood. He had thrown his staff on the ground and it became a snake. He had seen the, the Nile turn to blood. He had seen all the plagues. He had seen everything that God had done. He's there. He's got the faith. These 
thousands upon thousands of people don't have it. And so then they have to lead and live through his faith. Sometimes your kids, and a lot of times your kids, will have to lean on your faith until they have it themselves. And so we have to be people who live lives where faith is required. I love that. Did did you see what it said in this text? Moses told them, have faith. Believe. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, anybody who has influence over kids, live lives where faith is required. If your plans for your life aren't bigger than yourself, then maybe no faith is required for your life. And here's the deal. When you live your life in faith in each step, you will live a life worth imitating. And those people coming behind you will begin to imitate you. And they will begin to live lives of that kind of faith. And they'll begin to to live in it themselves. Do you have a life worth imitating? Many mothers that I meet do. Absolutely. My mother does. Has a life worth imitating. My wife does. My mother-in-law does. Many mothers here do. They'll imitate you. A fellow um, freedom worker and abolitionist, Thomas Garrett, said this of Harriet Tubman. I never met any person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God than Harriet Tubman. When you live your life with confidence that you're hearing from the Lord, your kids will want that too. Your kids want what you got. Sometimes, this t- you know, they go through this teenage fra- uh, phase where they, they mask that really well. They're like, no, 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 we don't want you guys. We don't want to hear from you. We don't want your advice. Or they want what you got. They do. So mothers, grandmothers, thank you. Thank you, mothers. Give your children a vision of freedom. Live in a vision of freedom. Help them love freedom. Drag them, if need be, to freedom. And live a life where faith is required. Today, as we end this time, I asked uh, John in particular that we could sing songs of freedom. And so, John and band, come on up. We're going to sing some old songs of freedom. There's some spirituals that I hope you'll just sing out. And I'm not entirely sure what song they're playing next because we kept changing it this morning. But they're songs of freedom. Um, Harriet Tubman, there's a song called Go Down Moses that we'll play at some point. We'll play it next. We'll play it right now? Okay. John's not Louis Armstrong, if you know the Louis Armstrong version of this. But they wouldn't sing this song for fear of revealing who Harriet Tubman was. That's how important she was to the movement. So I just want to invite you now. I'm going to pray and I want to invite you to sing songs of freedom. This is the songs that an entire people sang because they wanted to be free. Father, give us this vision of freedom. God, we want to, we want to walk into the promised land. Yeah, we want our kids to walk into the promised land behind us. Lord, we want our kids to know your love and glory. We want them to lead their kids and their kids and their kids to freedom in Christ as well. So, Father, bless this time. 
anoint this time. Would you all stand with us as we sing? Amen.